welcome to my favorite podcast with Noah Marger. Children by the Million sing for Alex Chilton when he comes round. They sing, I'm in love. What's that song? I'm in love with that song. That, of course, is Alex Chilton by The Replacements. He was the guy from Big Star. All your favorite songs. Ha ha. That was him. That was him. That was Alex Chilton by The, by the Replacements, but he's also in Big Star. Yep. <laughs> That, that was beautiful. <laughs> really bad. <laughs> really, really just an awful thing, awful thing to it was, say. It was a lovely, just, you know, spoken verse kind of thing. And I think you, you, you brought your own spirit to it. Thank you, James. <laughs> Literally the nicest thing you could have said possible. Yeah. Uh, welcome to my favorite podcast. This is the podcast about people's favorite things. As always, I am the host of the show, whether you like it or not, Noah Marger. You heard him already. Why waste your time? Why waste his time anymore? Let's just get him introduced right off the bat. Thanks for being here. My guest today is a comedian and Twitch streamer who is doing madcap shit over there on Twitch. And he allowed me to say that because I ran <laughs> it by him beforehand. He was nice enough to let me say madcap. Uh, including, but not limited to, blowing up a balloon via the Twitch chat. You will just have to go and see it. I watched the VOD of it. It really did happen that way. Uh, playing some GoldenEye, as well as measuring his heart rate while playing horror games. And you can see that thing spike really hard. Very happy to have him on the show today. You can follow him at twitch.tv slash James R. Trevor. Please welcome James Trevor to the show. James, what's up? Oh my God. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Noah. I really appreciate uh, you uh, capturing my madcap uh, nature in your intro. Yeah, you're uh, so welcome. <laughs> I'm kind of the mad hatter of, uh, specifically the Johnny Depp mad hatter of Twitch. <laughs> um, did you that, give yourself that title or did someone else give you that title? Uh, I, I definitely gave it to myself. That's uh, good. And yeah, no one no one supports me in that. But, you know, I... That's kind of the Mad Hatter thing to do is to give yourself <laughs> the title of Mad Hatter of Yeah, Twitch. to overly commit. Yeah. Yeah, the exactly. Mad Hatter is kind of, you know, kind of the original Joker. Um, and a lot of people don't give him that credit. But uh, yeah, I think we need to go back to the Mad Hatter. Well, listen, we were going to talk about something very ultra-specific today, but I think we should scrap it all and talk about how, specifically how the Mad Hatter is the OG Joker in a lot of ways. So very cool. Very good point, I think. I really wish I had thought of that as, as my favorite topic, even though I've never seen any of the, the Johnny Depp uh, Alice in Wonderland movies. Um, I remember seeing the first one in theaters during the summer when it came out with my friend who was like, we have to go see this movie. And I'm like, we really don't have to go see a big Wonderland head or something or a Tim Burton fan or what? I don't know. I really don't. He was just like, we have to go see this movie and we go there and I'm like, dude, this fucking sucks. Like this is like <laughs> kind of terrible. And he's like, 
it's good. Like he just like would not admit to the fact that it was shitty and bad. So, oh man, I can I can definitely relate to that. Uh, especially being younger, that you know, like investment and commitment to a movie of just like you've decided it's gonna be good, and you just. Yes. I mean, that's what. Well, there there's been real litigation on the Star Wars prequels now, and I don't mean to make another podcast oh, about Star fuck. Wars prequel shit, but like, you know, the whole like people so wanting it them to be good and so kind of convincing themselves maybe that they were i don't know i'm not gonna get into star wars prequel shit um because that's that's too much but that's kind of what all of letterboxd is is like movie a movie that you really like or like a franchise that you really like that Mm -hmm. no one else likes and then just doing everything you can to be like these are actually masterpieces, actually. <laughs> These are actually the best movies I've ever seen in my life. And some people will agree with you, and a lot of people will hate you for it. So mm-hmm. kind of a cool website. Yeah, that's like that's what the whole and the whole like film Twitter uh community yes. is about from my kind of outside perspective, is like uh just kind of going as hard as possible for something <laughs> that you like kind of realize isn't perfect, but you just like want to make it your brand yes um and you know i respect people for it because i have no commitment to anything um <laughs> like at that. all yeah no you <laughs> have no even, commitment not to even fucking people, anything. family you know <laughs> n- none of that yeah, I, yeah literally i, I would zero. Sell, sell my parents uh <laughs> <laughs> i would sell my parents <laughs> just another Netflix chance show. No. yeah to see or i was gonna say to see phantom menace re-released in theaters <laughs> yeah. nationwide just to see that happen again uh, got to <laughs> what a fucking dream. Uh, well, James, let's talk about Matt Hatter's Joker. Yep, let's jump into our <laughs> my favorite thing, my favorite Hatter, my favorite Joker. Uh, well, I want to actually ask you Noe's question. Can oh, you, shit, yeah. Is that something that I'm able to do? Can I ask you Noe's question? You know, you're, you're allowed to. Whether I respond uh, is, is I'm going to reserve the, that right. Um, but, you know, feel free. Shoot. Shoot. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm actually gonna play the Noe's <laughs> the oh, Noe's question wow. segment for you live. Here we go. It's Noe's question. Fuck! Beautiful. I accidentally opened my fucking iTunes <laughs> instead of just playing it from my computer, and I have like it. It scary shit doubled there. up on my end. I don't know if that's if that's an issue or not, but <laughs> hopefully I. Uh, hopefully that it just stays that way. I hope, honestly, to be honest with you. Um, but it would have okay. been great if it had played like, uh, I don't know, like crazy town or something after that. A after punk by vampire weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Which is only, formerly Always when you the get first in the car. track. Yeah. Yes. I had a friend in college who literally put 20 minutes of silence at the beginning of his phone. That's just so that a punk. I know. Wow. Right. Yeah. Amazing guy. Like literally just like, who would think of that? Nobody would else think of that because everyone's just going to accept a punk's yeah. going to come on in the <laughs> car. You know, <laughs> it literally gives me like hot flashes just thinking about it. That's it's like, like that's like the Pavlov sound of your engine starting is, is yes. you, you realize that your car is going to make a it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> it is. It's amazing. And it's fucked up. It's yeah. like when you used to, when I don't do this anymore, but I was younger, I would have like an actual pop song. Mm-hmm. as my like alarm in the morning yeah see i i never understood people that would yes. do that because you you condition yourself to hate the song right that's exactly what happens yeah. and so it's your alarm tone for like 
maybe like a year or something yeah. like that and you're like this i hate this song so much now like yeah. it's just terrible it just triggers like the anxiety of oh fuck i gotta get up i've i'm like already late yeah i've gotta I'm get to fucking school yes it is i have a test today like life sucks like <laughs> the girl that i like doesn't like me back just like of everything about high school that just in one condensed like thing one conditional like synapse going off in the brain feel good ink uh is, is, <laughs> for, is for making... me it was over the hills and far away by led zeppelin believe Ooh, it or not. yeah it's a good song yeah. but yeah. great song terrible oh. awake song though. led zeppelin also ties into our our topic very interestingly that's um, true yeah that's true, but <laughs> before before we yeah, actually we got to get talk to Nobody's question, that. I, I sidetracked. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> let's just uh, let's play it again. <laughs> yeah, it's been let's long pull, enough. Let's play the theme song one more time. Hold on, hopefully I can not. I'm glad to puck. have a chance to hear it again. So. Yeah, let's play it one more time. Here we go. Ready? It's Noe's question. Did it sound doubled up that time? It did kind of but i don't know I, i'm sure it's just my ears being fucked up or something and if it's doubled yeah. up then you know whatever yeah exactly but you also do have famously just the most fucked up ears known to man so you know <laughs> yeah take true. what you can get that's why that. i'm always happy to wear he over ear headphones uh <laughs> <laughs> i actually always i prefer over ear headphones i hate earbuds to be honest oh yeah yeah i mean earbuds earbuds suck it's like not yes. comfortable jamming something in your ear i don't know why we've accepted them <laughs> why why so as a society we're just like this is actually my voice the, is just this dripping this thing with disdain now i'm just like the most fucked up thing in the world well you know what actually let's just play no let's just play the song one more time yeah actually. let's please ba -da -ba -ba -ba, it's noe's question okay cool i think that's actually now we can actually ask you know question now that yeah i, I feel primed for it now okay good uh hey james here's noe's question thanks uh what is your most prized piece of physical media that you own oh, whether it shit. is a a book a dvd or blu-ray a vinyl what to you and he's he's literally folks on the zoom call he is looking at his shelf right now but james to you yeah. what is the most prized possession of physical media that you own i that uh man it's such a good question i um here, I'm just going to grab it real quick. <laughs> okay, good. Let's fucking go. Yes, here we go. Okay. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like that, of, though. I grabbed a copy of MacGruber on Blu-ray. Listen, uh, for some people, a, that is movie, the most prized position. It's good a movie. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but really, it would be, it would be a record. Um, yeah, grab it, my friend. Got to move some shit real quick. Yeah, you've got like polyurethane samples just sitting over there on top of your records for some reason. It's kind of fucked up. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know why. Yeah, it is kind of messed up of you. You actually are kind um, of a messed up guy for that. Okay, what do we got? So this is gonna be a bad thing to talk about because I don't <laughs> I don't know. This is a Japanese uh, folk record. Okay. Uh, that I honestly forget what her name is and it's all in japanese <laughs> okay. so uh uh it's like i don't know it's uh i don't know if it's my most prized but i did uh you know just to just to brag real quick i did Please. get to go to japan a okay. couple years ago and this was one of the few records i got there um at just a at a record shop in kyoto 
Um, and yeah, it's just an amazing, uh, uh, folk singer who, uh, yeah, I've just, I just kind of picked the record, uh, based on the cover of judging a record on its cover. Cause that's all you can do. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I, I really loved it. Um, and again, I can't really, <laughs> uh, it's uh, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, hmm, not a great choice because I can't even say like <laughs> what the record's name is sure. or the artist, but you know, you're just going to have to take my word for it. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, just imagine, <laughs> just imagine a beautiful, uh, singer songwriter, uh, sure. folk record. And you're, you're going to, Wow, be transported to to Kyoto yourself. Holy shit! It's well, the, you know, it's interesting you say that you picked it based on its cover because the famous expression in America is "Don't judge a book by its cover," I but in Japan, that. it's actually only judge an LP based on its cover. That's it's actually true. what they say over there, right? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, it. Of course, they they typically say it in Japanese, which uh, I'm sure. not fluent in. But yeah, it's kind of like a you know opposite side of the globe kind of thing where totally uh, how like toilets spin the other way in Australia, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is that a thing or did I just completely make that up? No, no, that's that's well, at least that's something that I've heard. And I I I have always assumed it's true. Yeah. And I think it is. But, you know, I don't know. No one's ever. No one's ever been there. No one's ever gone to Australia. (laughs) So there's no way we can confirm that. So, yeah, uh, true. Definitely. um, Yeah. I'd say that's I don't know. I've. Did I just open a big Pandora's box for you now? Well, yeah, it's like uh, now I got to figure out what my my I think that is my probably my most interesting. Uh, it's what piece came of to media. mind first. Right. Yeah. So I think that's good. We'll go with the first instinct. We're not totally. going to we're not going to uh, we're not going to double back <laughs> either that or <laughs> MacGruber, I think. Perfect. Um, we have enough. Yeah. We have enough to go. For. <laughs> and where did you get MacGruber? If you could, if you wouldn't mind saying the story behind getting I'm, MacGruber, I'm happy to say that does have a story behind it. Um, oh, let's go. Okay. Uh, because I, uh, uh, in college, one of the things I thought I was going to do for a while was be a woodworker and furniture maker. <laughs> um, and oh I did wow, a internship with a woodworker who lived like out in the middle of nowhere in Maryland. Um, and I was staying in this cabin. There was no internet signal. There was no cell signal or anything. And so I, uh, I had nothing to do there. And so one night, uh, I just drove like 30 minutes to the closest grocery store and found their like uh bargain, uh, bin of oh, yeah. DVDs and things. And I was like, Oh, they got McGruber here. <laughs> Yes. So I got that and like it was a uh it, you know it really uh made me feel better because I was all by myself in this cabin. Yeah. Um it was like the middle of winter so it was very depressing there. Um and you know uh Will Forte he he really brightened my uh evening with his uh with his coming sounds and and everything (laughs) ripping Uh, people's throats out of their throats exactly yeah Yeah. so uh i do have a bit of a soft spot for mcgruber even though i i do think people kind of maybe overrated a little bit but you know that's that's a whole other thing wow well it's one of those movies that i think when it initially came out 
was cons- like un- deeply underrated by totally. some, yeah. and now it's sort of come back around the train where it's like actually, and people you know twirling their mustaches and yeah. like buttoning their shirts, like it's actually one of the best comedies ever made. And now mm-hmm. it's like okay, maybe the pendulum swung a little too far the other way. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's not actually one of the best comedies ever made, but I haven't seen it since it came out, so maybe it actually yeah. is. I don't know. Yeah, I think it might actually be the greatest movie ever made. It like sure, I would actually Citizens agree with you. Kane's ass, that's for sure. Uh, yeah has anyone actually ever seen citizen game can we can we confirm that you know uh i have not uh that is one okay of the, that is one of the many <laughs> good movies that i've not seen um damn but i have seen mcgruber yes and there's three good movies that you have seen for sure because it's kind of what we're talking about today yeah look at that yeah, that's true. little segue wow. king action there for you A true professional a true idiot, <laughs> more <laughs> like a, a true huge idiot on the other end of the Zoom call. But Could an idiot come up with Noe's question? I think not. I well, that again up for debate. <laughs> you know, you know, do you want to hear Noe's question <laughs> one please, more time, please. possibly? Okay, one more time. Here we go. One I'm more time. Do it with it this time. Here we go. All right, here we go. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, it's Noe's question. Okay, perfect. That was great. Uh, that was awesome. I'm, let me just play that a couple more times, but we'll move <laughs> Please. on. Uh, is there a way to loop it? <laughs> is there a way to loop it? Not without me having to just sit there and press play yeah. over and over again. Too Break bad. out your loop. Uh, pedal, uh, we're talking about bonus features today, James. Something that I literally in a million years never thought we would be talking about on this show. Uh, but I'm happy to hear we are that. doing it. Mm-hmm. We're doing it. Mm-hmm. And what what brought you to the point where you're like, I have to pick bonus features to talk about on this show because in theory, you could have easily said, I want to talk about the movies, the Lord movies of the Rings themselves. themselves. Yeah. But we're talking about the bonus features state and then later on we'll talk about specifically three bonus features. So why did you end up going with bonus features? So uh it was it was one of those things that uh Growing up, I don't know, it just, uh, it really captivated me, uh, which sounds a little silly, but uh, yeah, when we, I I was a big fan of the Lord of the Rings movies in general um, as a kid, Um, but yeah, specifically the, like, getting those extended editions, getting the, like, yeah, the special editions of the DVDs that had, like, the special uh, cases that looked like books and, like, six discs per like movie something crazy like that maybe even more than six discs i forget but uh yeah and just like hours and upon hours of just extra stuff when right you're just i don't know a kid who's completely obsessed and wants to know everything about it um it was it was perfect for me as a kid um and as as a kid who's and person who's always been interested in how things are made, the processes of making things. It was, uh, it was probably the first, um, it was probably the first major behind the scenes documentary I saw for movies. Um, definitely the most like in depth Absolutely. that I, that I watched at that time. And I guess since then, because like, I don't know, even other subsequent documentaries they haven't been like you know 12 hours of them or something crazy (laughs) right um and and also just i don't know the uh dvd special features in general it's it's become like a lost art (laughs) in a way um 
the uh, the whole format of of uh, of menus. I mean, they're they're still you know they're they're highly made, highly produced um, Blu-rays now. But uh, yeah, the Lord of the Rings ones just had so much depth to it. Where like I don't know, each menu was designed to look like a book page, and you could uh, navigate navigate to like different symbols and find like Easter eggs in the menus. Right. And there was just like. I don't know. There was just so much shit there. Um, <laughs> it was like part of the experience of yeah. watching these extended editions. It was like, okay, you had the original movies, which mm-hmm. are all nearing three hours or over three hours. Yeah. And then you have these extended editions of these movies, which are all over three hours. Some, one of which is over four hours, just in terms of the movie runtime. Yeah, it's And then you up. have, it, it actually is fucked up. And we, I really, we need to nail that down and figure out what is wrong with people who yeah. sit there and watch these movies like this. But, uh, you know, they have, you know, like you said, 12 plus hours of bonus features about how these movies actually came to be. It's it's already a franchise that is so immersive and so mm-hmm. like, you know, I'll say real in a way where, you know, it's like they really made these movies as real as they could, you know, and we'll talk about that yeah. when we get to the bonus features specifically. But, you know, it was like part of the experience. I feel like almost of like, if you love Lord of the Rings, you don't just love watching the movies. Mm-hmm. You love watching the extended cuts and you don't just love watching the extended cuts. You love watching the bonus features and you don't just love watching the bonus features. You love reading the books and going on the wikis and all that stuff. You know, it's like part of the lore at a certain point. Totally. Yeah. It's like, it's the whole, I don't know, uh, extended universe kind of thing that's become, you know, distorted and, (laughs) uh, well, it's, it's like, it's unfortunately kind of a bit of like nerd culture, I guess you'd say as much as I hate kind of that whole idea, but like, you know, with like star Wars, they had to like write, uh, novels and things. And, you know, they had star Wars encyclopedias for people who were like curious about kind of all the world building stuff because, um, with like star Wars and Lord of the Rings, I think that's, you know, one of the strongest, um, parts of them is the world building. Totally. Um, and yeah, those, those DVDs definitely, they just give you more of that. Um, and if you are the kind of person who is into Lord of the Rings, I feel like you're, you're kind of just naturally like wanting to explore more of the world. Um, Absolutely. And see like, Oh, like that, fucking like painting that's in the background of like this one (laughs) shot you get to like see i don't know an artist actually paint it or something Uh, um which they really do in these movies like they Mm -hmm. really are just everything you see has been either Mm man-made or man-made on the computer like everything is living it's very crazy that's yeah that's one thing that like i don't know this is i'll probably come back to this again later but like it's like it it kind of doesn't make sense how much effort they put into these movies. Like <laughs> it, sure. uh, as much as I'm glad that they did, uh, it almost feels like irresponsible to me that they like <laughs> spent this much time and energy, uh, to, to make these movies. as like as fleshed out as they did. It's like, man, you like at a certain point you should just be like, they're just movies. Come on, man. Like we need to like, <laughs> spend some time helping the world instead of just like <laughs> spending time with your family at exactly. a certain point, you know? Yeah. But crazy. I, Hey, me as, as a, as a nine year old or whatever was 
immensely grateful uh, for their sacrifice, sure. their family's sacrifice. Yeah, exactly. The fucking, I think I have it here and I'll say it again later, but I think they shot these, they shot these movies for over a year oh, simultaneously, you yeah. know, back to back to back. But they also kept doing reshoots for mm-hmm. the years until they came out. So really they were making these movies for four years ultimately. Yeah. And, you know, probably longer in pre-production, too. I think they spent, like, a year and a half in pre-pro, too. So, really, it was, like, over five years working on these movies. And you are right. Just stop at a certain (laughs) point. Just take it easy. Relax there, Peter Jackson. Yeah. Um, Well, you touched on it a little bit, but I want to ask you specifically. You talked about, you know, seeing these movies as Mm -hmm. a kid. Mm -hmm. What does Lord of the Rings signify for you or mean to you both watching them for the first time as a little boy mm-hmm. and now being not a yeah. little boy anymore. Yeah. I mean, I'm still a little boy for sure. Uh, yeah. Just in, a little, little boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, they, they were kind of, I don't know. I, at that point I had read, you know, a few fantasy uh, books and novels, I guess. Um, but it feels like they were, they were probably my first, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure it was my first time seeing a real like fantasy movie of that scope, certainly, uh, on, uh, on the, on the big screen. I don't know the darkness of them. Like the orcs are, are legitimately kind of scary as like a nine year old. Um, but it's got this, you know, lovely story of fellowship between bros um <laughs> yes yeah it's it's got everything you need that's that's a much uh, more concise way of saying it i guess it's got everything you need is listen <laughs> dudes rock right hell yeah <laughs> and these dudes fucking rock in this movie it's a very dude-centric movie uh, or total series of movies there are like two women uh in them uh yeah Liv but- tyler and kate blanchett are like basically <laughs> the only females i think that show up in the entire series which some would say awesome. Some would say, "What the fuck? <laughs> what, yeah. what are you doing?" Yeah, exactly. I so, don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> I literally don't know. Um, yeah. You said so. You, you had read a couple fantasy novels or whatever, some yeah. fantasy stuff beforehand. Did you then dive into the books and like try and do the whole like, what did the books have that the movies down? What do the movies have the books down? I did. Yeah, I think I had I had read The Hobbit because that's a little bit more accessible. Um, sure. Before before the movies um and then yeah after the movies i got totally obsessed i was like okay yeah i'm gonna like read these books and i think i made it to like halfway through the second book nice (laughs) before i maybe a little bit more than that but uh not too far before i was just like i can't handle all of this or maybe i just got kind of bored or something sure i don't remember specifically but it was like kind of like man i remember there being more fights and less like descriptions of geography yes and uh just you know even though the cultures and everything is is very exciting it's like i don't know when you're just reading that as a kid uh uh, it, it, it's, it doesn't quite hold your attention <laughs> quite as much. No. Um, but I still have a hard time reading, dude. Like I have to like yeah. sit there and like tell myself, like you are going to read 50 pages by the end of today. Like you are going to finish this book. That's a good And goal. even still most of the time, <laughs> not, not even close, not even yeah. fucking sniffing 50 pages. So as like a, what, a, you know, a nine, 10 year old, 11 year old, when you're trying to read these books, can't uh-huh. even imagine just 
the level of like this is so much more than I had anticipated, you know? Yeah, I uh, I definitely I I feel like I I'm sure I think this is kind of a common thing for for people our age, but yeah, I've I feel like my attention span for reading is so bad where I definitely sure. do the thing where I read a page and then I realize I have no idea what I read and I have Absolutely. to go back and it's like ah oh, man, yeah, it's it's not good. I've just been uh my brain has been destroyed by Twitter and, and, and the internet and everything. So yeah. It's not great. The inter- and you know, it's like, I don't know. I sit, at least for me, I sit there and I'm you know trying to read something and I'm like, man, I literally could be like watching a movie or playing a video game instead. <laughs> like, it's just like, that just is like so much more immediately appealing to oh, me absolutely. most of the time. Yeah. You know? I could be, yeah. Just having something wash over me. Exactly. At least have like flashing lights, which is, which is nice. Yeah, exactly. If, Something to like trigger the rat part of my brain, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, sticking some cheese under your nose. And just <laughs> exactly. Like getting you, getting you drool. <laughs> that's what happens to me every time I turn on a movie. Just immediate, just fucking uh, drool, just pouring out of my fucking mouth. Yeah, it what, actually yeah, is a huge cool. fucking problem. To be honest, with you. it's actually a huge fucking problem. Um, what do you feel as though the influence of Lord of the Rings has had on you, either artistically? personally you know obviously we're talking about it on this podcast you know which i would say is a big influence you know enough but more specifically how do you feel as though they've influenced you if at anything yeah uh i think uh that definitely kind of steered me in in the direction of being more interested in um you know fantasy and and nerdy things i guess you would say in general like i i i had a pretty killer uh frodo costume for halloween one year let's go um yeah (laughs) and let's see what else i got very into world of warcraft okay like junior high and high school and you know much to the detriment of my health and social (laughs) life and everything um fortunately i i steered myself away from that by the end of high school so it wasn't thank god a total loss uh but yeah i spent a little bit too much time just running around uh killing little goblins and things in there i just listened to an episode of uh doughboys actually oh yeah with uh jacob wysocki mm-hmm. and he was talking about how there's like certain things that he just loves that he can't let himself have or do anymore because they just kind of ruin his life a little yeah. bit and one of those was world of warcraft he said <laughs> that he was like literally neglecting all of his schoolwork yeah. to play it in high school. And he was like, I was going to fail. I was not going to graduate high school wow. if I didn't stop playing World of Warcraft. Like it was like crushing my grades. Wow. And my parents like had no idea. And it got to the point where it was like, I either have to tell my parents that I'm like fucking up so hard by playing World of Warcraft. <laughs> I have to admit to the most embarrassing thing. That yes, exactly. <laughs> or I just have to stop doing it. And yeah. I don't have to tell them and I can fix this right now. So it really was though like, one of those things. I mm-hmm. was a little bit too young, I think, to like fully appreciate yeah. and like play it. But like, you know, yeah, they you made a fucking South Park the taste, episode. The sophisticated <laughs> taste for World I of still Warcraft. haven't developed the sophisticated palate for World of Warcraft. Don't worry, you'll get there one day, man. I, I have <laughs> faith in you. Um, Thank but, God. But yeah, are they still doing it? Like, does it still operate? Are still, people playing? It's still running. The servers are up, baby. And uh, I think they're yeah, they've still been releasing like expansions and like updates Holy and everything. Shit. I know some people that got that like re got into it 
maybe like a year or so ago. And I was like, uh, I wonder what was happening a year ago that would cause people to have a lot of time <laughs> on there. You know, we'll to never get know. Into yeah. We'll never know why this, you know, the graph spiked at that point, but yeah, uh, kind of weird. I'm, I'm not much of a, uh, you not know, much of a news guy. Right. Yeah, and really, really not. <laughs> but yeah I, yeah, I can relate to that. And, uh, my parents, uh, as much as I resented it at the time, they, they would, uh, <laughs> my dad figured out how to, uh, set the router so that it would cut off the internet at like 1am or something, Oh, okay. which drove me insane, which is like pretty reasonable. It's pretty late. Yeah, that um, is pretty late. Yeah. But even so on the weekends in high school, when that would hit and I would just get booted from world of Warcraft, I would be so pissed off. <laughs> Just yeah, like dude. The most like furious like little fucking nerd who's just like no. <laughs> I had more just literally do. making the worst sound you can imagine yeah. from your like fucking in the computer bedroom. room. <laughs> <laughs> just like the most like weird growl that you yeah. can like muster <laughs> at that time. Just like literally fuck off, dad. But one a.m. is pretty reasonable. Like I'm surprised. Like I yeah. thought you were gonna say like eight o'clock. Oh or something. no, yeah they they gave me a they gave me a long leash, but it was it was you know it was not not enough for me. <laughs> Damn. Well, now um, you are an adult and you can set your own router to turn off at like three a.m. If exactly. you exactly, yeah. No, I I let that baby ride. You know. Okay. <laughs> all right. He's a little bit of a freak with it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> He's a little bit of a nasty freak with his router. Oh yeah, I, I'm gonna be browsing. At any time of day, two, four, seven, three, six, five. That's me. <laughs> do you ever wake up? Yes. Like in the middle. Okay, cool. Yeah. Moving on. Sorry, uh, sorry, do you- <laughs> sorry. No, I kind of like, I kind of, no, dude, I, hey, dude, I liked that. Uh, I literally liked that. So uh, keep doing that. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. I'll keep doing, yeah, dumb shit. Okay, cool. Yeah, that is actually what I want. Um, <laughs> but have you ever like woken up and like searched something like in the middle of the night? Like you mm-hmm. just like had woken up and you're just like, Oh fuck! I gotta Google like Custer's Last Stand or something like Absolutely. that. Just like some random bullshit. Yeah, yeah. For me, sometimes it'll be like panic over like, oh my god, I like don't know uh, the capital of Croatia or something. Right. And like, of course, someone is gonna ask me this, and I'm gonna look like such a fucking dumbass American. Like, you know, who doesn't know anything? I don't know. <laughs> it's always like paranoia that drives stuff like that for me. <laughs> Damn. Well, what is the capital of Croatia? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea, to be honest with you. I don't fucking know. Um, I got to ask, just because they're related and just such a weird sort of, I almost, I don't want to say footnote in Lord of the Rings history, but I just mm-hmm. have to ask about them. Yeah, what are your opinion on the Hobbit trilogy that came uh, out in the 2010s? They're they're real disappointments for me. Um, sure. Yeah, and I, you know, it's it from from my research, my independent research yes. <laughs> um, as a Lord of the Rings movie historian. Um, it seems like Peter Jackson got kind of a raw deal with it, where the studios like it just like wasn't uh, this the same situation as the first few movies at all, where. He wanted to make it two movies. He wanted a lot more time to make them. He wanted more right. pre-production time. But they were like, no, it's got to be a trilogy. It's got to tie into the Lord of the Rings movies more. Um, they just kind of like forced all these decisions that made them a lot worse. Um, and yeah, and it's also just like, it's so sad seeing like Ian McKellen and Christopher Lee being so much older. <laughs> yes. And uh, just like noticeably like, 
their voices are more like gravelly and slow and everything. And yeah, they're just like, I, I, yeah, I just, I just don't care for them very much. I don't know. They've got some good stuff in them. It's nice to see just the world a little bit more, but sure. I don't know. I think I would have kind of preferred if they had just left it alone personally. Yeah. Okay. That's like how not good they are that you're just yeah. like, man, you should have just left these alone. I a hundred percent agree yeah. with you. I actually remember going to see desolation of smog yeah. like in theaters with like a group of people, mm-hmm. not because I wanted to go see it, but because like one of the guys was like, we're going to see desolation of smog. Like maybe it was his birthday. Like I don't yeah. remember, but it was like, he wanted to go see it. So then all the other people were like, okay, I guess we're going to see this movie. Just so fucking boring. Just like so like yeah. not interesting. Just and miserable. I'm not even it is miserable <laughs> at a certain point. And I'm not even really that into Lord of the Rings. Like yeah. I re- I respect them as movies because mm-hmm. like you said, it's like kind of embarrassing how like well made and like how like articulate they are as far as like movies are concerned. But Desolation of Smog and the First Hobbit, whatever the fuck what is the name of the first Hobbit movie? Uh, what is it? An unexpected oh, journey. I think I was going to say a, a road of weary travelers. <laughs> what I was going to say. I love Hobbit that as, one. as like the off brand version of it. Just like the shitty animated version. That's like kind of felt cut out or whatever. It's actually a brand called a uh, Boulevard of broken dreams. Uh, is, is, that's yeah. honestly, that is yeah. more interesting. If it was like a green yeah. day fucking Hobbit or whatever. <laughs> Hobbit movie suck. Didn't see the last one, which was like what the battle of five armies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is probably the worst one. Honestly. Great. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So you didn't miss out. Um, but you bringing that up about uh, your friend, uh, that did remind me of <laughs> of another thing that yes. uh, Lord of the Rings means to me. <laughs> kind of. Yes. Is uh, it was a major birthday movie for me because I, I'm oh. a December baby. Okay. So it was. For like, you know, the three years or whatever when it was coming out. I forget if there was gaps between. I think it was. Uh, I think it was 2001, 2002, and 2003. Like yeah. they all just came out right after one another. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my birthday's on the 19th. And I think they would typically come out on like the 17th or 18th or 19th. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, I was able to do the cool thing of, you know, like inviting a few friends to the movies and uh, getting to see these movies on my birthday. So that was that was always very exciting. Um, and then after they were gone, it was Peter Jackson's King Kong, which was not as good. (laughs) No, Uh, not at all. (laughs) Not quite as good though. I want to revisit it because maybe I'll appreciate it in some way, but you know, and you'll start the sort of the, the film Twitter thing of like, actually guys, yeah, it's actually pretty good. This movie totally understood the assignment or like whatever (laughs) the fucking thing is on that really just cursed website right now. Jack Black yeah. always, though, he actually would be a good one to do for that. He Puck. always understands the assignment. He actually does. He actually, he is the you rare. Do School of Rock. Yes. Uh, uh, King, King Kong. Kong uh, fucking uh, Nacho Libre. <laughs> yeah, Nacho Libre and like <laughs> Bernie or something like yeah. that. <laughs> he is like the rare actor where it doesn't really matter what he's in. He's like always the best part of whatever totally. he's in. He's yeah. just that good of an actor. Um, I want to actually pivot a little bit because mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings is just sort of one side of the coin here, but I also want to talk a little bit about physical media as it go, as it stands yeah. here. Were these sort of your gateway bonus feature, like drugs, so to speak, or were you a bonus feature fiend prior to this or where, where do these stand in the, in the continuum of your bonus feature love? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, 
I don't know. I, um, it, it was definitely the first thing that kind of activated that in me. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, I, that was your sleeper yeah, agent thing. Yeah. Once I, once I like saw the screen, my eyes like lit up red and I was like <laughs> suddenly just a machine. Yes. Um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely the, the one that I was, that I was most obsessed with as a kid. And, um, I, I don't know. I wasn't, it wasn't that I hugely got into special features for other things, though. I definitely did to a, a degree like, um, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's like a silly example, but like the Bourne movies, like watching, okay. yeah, watching like the, uh, all the like stunts behind the scenes sure. stuff for those. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, what else? Um, and then just like when I was in high school, I started getting more into like commentaries on, on things like, um, I really got into the Venture Brothers, uh, commentaries. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. They always had really great in-depth commentary about things and, um, just kind of, it gave you a glimpse into the lives of the creators and kind of helped you appreciate, um, I don't know, just the process of making the show, how they were, um, kind of working artists, um, and, I don't know. It just, as someone who, as, as I was growing up, kind of gradually realized, oh, I kind of want to go into the arts, sure, uh, maybe filmmaking, maybe TV, something like that. Um, yeah, I just gradually got more and more into the behind the scenes things, I guess. The commentary yeah. world is a world that I personally have yet to, I haven't crossed that threshold. You know, I haven't sort of, you know, be gone beyond the pale on that one because I feel like <laughs> you should, the comment, yeah. I feel like literally I shouldn't because at some <laughs> level it's like, okay, there's the movie, there's the bonus features, which are completely separate entities from the movie. Mm -hmm. But then the commentary is just the movie, but not the movie. It's mm -hmm. the movie with another dude's voice or some people's voices over the movie. And in my brain, I'm like, I just want to watch the movie, man. If I'm yeah. going to watch the movie, I just want to watch the movie. But like, I just have yet to cross that threshold. But I know people literally will like, just watch like the boogie nights commentary, you know, or like just listen to that. Yeah. Like PTA has done some good ones. Yeah. That's like, I, that, that one, I know it, it, it's like a pretty special one, right. From what I hear, yeah. it's, it's one that I haven't visited or um, checked out before, but um, yeah, I think that's also partly why I got more into like the TV side of it. Cause it is more like sure. bite sized because yeah, it's like such a huge commitment to be watching an entire movie and then listening to like, a podcast or two's exactly worth of audio. And it's just like, yeah, every time I watch a movie, I'm like, yeah, I would kind of rather get the full experience of the movie. So yeah, I, I haven't gotten too deep into commentaries, but there are a few like examples that I'm like, okay. Yeah. Like the venture brothers. I I'm and, uh, and the Nathan for you commentaries are also very oh. great. Okay, uh -huh. I could definitely see myself doing the Nathan for you commentaries. I haven't dipped into that at all, but those sound amazing. It's especially good because they bring on that was actually how the Finding Francis documentary started. Right. Yes. They brought the Bill Gates guy, the Bill Gates impersonator on to record commentaries. And he's just like taking phone calls during the commentary <laughs> recording and just like completely good. not paying attention. Um, and it's hilarious to listen to. <laughs> I do want to ask you, though. How has your relationship to physical media changed since the Lord of the Rings extended cuts? Did that start off a now I have to have 
the DVD copy of my favorite movie or I have to own all my favorites on CD or whatever? Or how did that change for you? Because I know, at least for me, my dad was like, and my parents were like, you should not own physical media. Like, it's like a bad investment. Like, don't do it. And then as soon as I was like old enough to like start buying DVDs, I would. And it was like 2013, 2014 when I started doing it too. Oh, so man. way late in the game, but it was all like used shit. So I have a soft spot for yeah. Blu-rays and DVDs. And like pre-pandemic, one of my favorite things was just walking around the used DVD section of a record store and just finding, you know, treasures. So hell yeah. Yeah. Cause there are so many things that like, uh, in that weird window of like the early two thousands, mid, you know, you know, 2010s or whatever that, haven't made the leap they haven't made the jump from dvd to digital or whatever right there, there are plenty of things that are getting kind of lost in the cracks um and yeah i um it it honestly it took a break I, my my interest in physical media did take a break for a little while where um i think just kind of going to college trying to like you know uh, pack as light as possible kind of you totally. know when you're when you're moving all the time um, I, I did kind of take a break from buying physical media, but in the past few years, I've definitely gotten back into it. I've, you know, become a, a pretentious criterion, uh, purchaser yeah. and everything. Um, though, yeah, as, as much as I appreciate their like, uh, box art and everything, it, it kind of makes me sad that all their, uh, that all their menus are, are the same you know, oh, like, sure. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the things about the DVD uh, era that I I really love and have a bit of nostalgia for is kind of the impracticality of the menus. OK, um, sure. And how they were so devoted to just like being these weird aesthetic design projects where it's like, I don't know, like the Shrek DVD. It's like you like zoom through his house in the swamp yes. and it's like a fucking log or something and you have to like move from scene to scene like each menu is a different scene and everything totally. and it like is kind of a nightmare to navigate yes uh, and, and because it always like will play like a five second clip every time you like change <laughs> menus um, yes but there is something now kind of charming about that now that we don't have it <laughs> um <laughs> that yeah i that I kind of miss. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know now that now that everything is like modern and clean design, uh, you, you miss out on a little bit of that, but to go back to the original question, uh, yeah, I guess I am getting back more into, uh, collecting, but yeah, for a while I was just like, I, I was trying to live light, you know, um, sure. and, and just be like, Oh, I'm just going to stream stuff. But yeah, then you realize, yeah, so much stuff is not on the services. That's the thing. And it sort of becomes an issue of, like, who gets to make the taste. And it's the people yeah. who decide what goes on Netflix. Because you, if you notice, you know, mm -hmm. when, I don't know, Pulp Fiction is on Netflix or whatever, mm -hmm. you see everyone on fucking Letterboxd, you know, talking about Pulp Fiction. And yeah. it's like, oh, Pulp Fiction's amazing. And then Pulp <laughs> Fiction gets taken off Netflix, and it's like, Nightcrawlers on Netflix, and I love you know those movies. Those movies are great, yeah. but it's like, yeah, they're great. Mm -hmm. There's so many movies out there that Netflix will just never have, you know. Totally. So it's like we're sort of at the mercy of what's there. But it's like when you're walking around a blockbuster or a Hollywood video over Suncoast, you know, you are more so the tastemaker because 
it's I don't know. It's more of like a everything's there that they have. This you get to decide what to pick, and you could make the argument for streaming, but it's like everything's there that is there. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you're everything's there that they have put there. Not everything's there that like exists, that exists. to buy. Yeah, in the yes. world. Yeah, yeah. And there's the. I mean, I, obviously, a lot of the stuff that like you know Disney or whatever like cuts out of shows. Like, yes, there's obviously a lot of like bad dated stuff, but at the same time, it is like parts of of history of film history of tv history absolutely that's being edited out and we are just kind of again at the mercy of of the higher ups to say like you know oh well yeah we don't want we don't want this thing in here anymore um and yeah again obviously it's like a lot of that shit it's like we don't really want to see but uh it's kind of getting lost now so absolutely it's like erasing history to some greater or lesser degree whether it is tasteful or hateful or whatever it's gone you know mm-hmm. more or less yeah. at a certain point um last question for you and then i'm going to jump into some fast facts here Ooh. we've seen sort of a decline in physical media i think that's fair to say that there has been a uh, major decline in physical media sales and fair. everything but i'm curious yeah thank you fair uh, but i am curious from your perspective where do you think we're going as far as physical media is concerned? What do you think the future of DVDs and vinyls and books, mm. actual physical books are? Not, you know, you don't have to give me the Nostradamus, you know, like, you yeah. know, total prediction, but just from where you stand, what do you think the future beholds? Yeah, I'm going to give you a perfectly accurate David Bowie style uh, prediction. Perfect. Uh, no. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it, definitely seems like it's just moving more in the direction of streaming. Um, it, I feel like, you know, a lot of these streaming companies will eventually kind of either fail or find their, you know, audience dwindling as people realize that the quality is not great. Um, at least I kind of hope so, or I hope that they improve quality to meet people's expectations. Um, but, you know, I could see um, there being a movement of people um, who do realize that um, and find themselves missing uh, physical media and start collecting it in the way people collect vinyl and things like that. Um, yeah, I mean, people are people have become nostalgic for for VHS. Um, totally. Now people are becoming nostalgic for like mini DV um, not that that's like a, like a format that people, uh, you know, uh, buy movies on, but, uh, just the visual aesthetic of it. Um, yeah, I could see physical media kind of coming back at least in like, you know, the more collector, um, yeah, like a more niche market. S- yeah. Set. Um, and hopefully I would hope that that's enough to kind of sustain, um, you know, physical media makers if it's, you know, at least like it sucks that it might only be like criterion and like a 24 type things. Cause I want it to be everything, but I don't know. It's also, I do maybe it, maybe it needs to be that people can buy digitally, but it can be, you know, like, you know, you can buy your cop copy and have it permanently, um, and not have to worry about edits or it going away or anything. Um, 
because yeah, I mean the the environmental cost of like, you know, printing a bunch of DVDs oh, sure. is not is not great. Um, yeah. So basically, I I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. I really yeah. don't. And I think that you are. I think you are onto something though with it becoming more of a niche market and there was a good video essay and i can't remember who did it Mm -hmm. uh maybe the royal ocean film society if you're familiar with Mm -hmm. that youtube channel uh a pretty good channel Uh actually to be honest with you uh and they did this they did this video and if i can find it i'll link it in the description but Mm -hmm. if i can't sucks uh for you guys uh (laughs) (laughs) but it's the video about like how criterion is like as good at what they do as they are as far as the home media market's concerned and it's interesting because like their whole brand is that they're exclusive. Their Mm -hmm. whole brand is that there is a little bit of gatekeeping involved Mm -hmm. with like what they do and that they know that people don't normally buy their shit, not Mm -hmm. during a sale. Yeah. And that's fine because everyone will buy it during the sale anyway, because whether they're there for the movie, they're there to free because they're a collector and they want to own all the criterions or they're there because they just like the way the box looks. They're there for some reason or another and uh, you got to be honest with yourself. Those boxes are cool. And it, it's just kind of cool to watch them sit on a shelf sometimes, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. They all look great together. Yeah. The, you know, the little Criterion logo matches up and everything. It's and, nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I always, uh, I always appreciate them. And my, my collection is definitely very small, but, uh, but I'm what working on it every, every time there's a sale. Well, not every time, but I'm occasionally <laughs> picking some up. <laughs> What do you, what's your fave that you've got on the shelf? My favorite that I've got, um, you know, it might be the, it might be the before trilogy. Oh, hell yeah. I'm a big fan of those. Yeah. I have that collection as well sitting in storage right now, but yeah, that's a great trilogy to have, whether it's on criterion or not. Yeah. Um, can I hit you with some fast facts, James? Please do. Please. Okay, here we go. The Lord of the Rings is a film series of three fantasy adventure films directed by Peter Jackson based on the novel written by J.R.R. Tolkien. The films are subtitled The Fellowship of the Ring, The Two Towers, and The Return of the King. I just wanted to make sure everyone knew we were talking about that Lord of the Rings. You should have said that up top, man. (laughs) I should have. (laughs) People are probably clicking off going, what the fuck are they talking about? (laughs) Like, probably clicked off within the first, like, ten minutes being like, are you fucking kidding me? What are they talking about? Uh, The Three films were shot simultaneously and entirely in New Zealand from October 11th, 1999 until December 22nd, 2000. The films were a major financial success and are among the highest grossing film series of all time with $2.98 billion in worldwide receipts, as well as winning 17 out of its 30 Academy Award nominations across all three films. That is more than 50%. They, ma- the That's majority crazy. of the time, they won the Academy Award if they were nominated. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> uh, do you know who the only actor is to be nominated for the, the movies? The only actor, I would guess Ian McKellen. You would be correct. Congratulations. I'm so good. Wow. You are crushing it. Uh, (laughs) Wondering whether Patrick Stewart would be right for the part of Gandalf. Philippa Boyens drew a tape of him performing opposite Ian McKellen, only to suggest Ian McKellen instead. 
McKellen became Jackson's first choice for Gandalf. Christopher Lee sent Jackson a photograph of him in a wizard's costume wanting <laughs> to play Gandalf, but Jackson decided he would, prefer, he would be perfect for Saruman instead. Just like how I sent James a photo of me doing a podcast in hopes that he would do the podcast, and then he said, yeah, okay, sure. I was <laughs> like, we should maybe think about recasting, but, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll give it a shot. We'll give it a shot, see how it goes. So far, not nailing the part. Uh, well, <laughs> while casting, I Jackson disagree. looked for... You disagree? Well, thank yeah. you. That is the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. Uh, while casting, Jackson looked for backup options for the various parts, including Lucy Lawless and Nicole Kidman for Galadriel, Anthony Hopkins and Sylvester McCoy, who was eventually recast as Radagast for Bilbo, Paul Schofield, Jeremy Irons, Malcolm McDowell, or Tim Curry for Saruman, and Tom Baker, Tom Wilkinson, Sam Neill, Bernard Hill, who was eventually cast as Theoden, and Peter O'Toole for Gandalf. And into several older actors who were auditioned for the part, such as Patrick, Patrick McGuhan. That is one of the worst names I've ever heard in my life. Uh, uh, you don't want to. You don't want to McGuhan. That's that's a yeah. no. You, you a do not want to McGuhan running around. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, and Anthony Hopkins. Wow. Miramax and Jackson discussed Daniel Day-Lewis for Aragorn, starting, oh. quote, fanciful internet speculation that Daniel Day-Lewis was approached for the part numerous times, although Jackson eventually inquired about him. Jackson cast Stuart Townsend, who the studio deemed too young. After shooting began, they decided to recast the role. If you go, Mortensen took the role. The rest is history. Uh, previous attempts to film Tolkien's work were made by William Snyder, Peter Schaefer, and John Borman. Those attempts resulted in a couple of unproduced scripts, concept art, and one animated short. Other filmmakers and producers who have had interest in adapting Tolkien are said to include Walt Disney, Al Brodax, Forrest Ackerman, which sounds like a bad Scott Ackerman character, Forrest <laughs> Ackerman, uh, Dennis O'Dell, who considered Richard Lester to direct, but instead approached David Lean, Stanley Kubrick, and Antonioni, which is insane to think that there would have been a Kubrick Lord of the Rings running around out there, as well as George Lucas. Uh, Jackson came up with the idea for the extended cut for Laserdisc and DVD formats while in pre-production. He could insert some of the violence that he thought that he would have to trim to get a PG-13 rating for the theater within those cuts and could tailor the pacing to the demands of the small screen, which he said were, quote, completely different. He observed that the extended cuts will be ultimately seen as the more definitive version of the film. And that is goes in my big last fast fact, which is the extended cut of the films and the supplemental special features labeled as appendices were spread over two discs each and a limited collector's edition was also released. The Fellowship of the Ring was released on November 12th, 2002, containing 30 more minutes of footage, an Alan Lee painting of the Fellowship entering Moria and the Moria Gate on the back of the sleeve, an Argonath-style bookend, which was included in the collector's edition as well. The Two Towers was released on November 18th, 2003, containing 46 minutes of extra footage and a Lee painting of Gandalf the White's entrance. The collector's edition contained a Smeagol statue with a crawler-looking statue of Gr Gollum persona available for a limited time. And as well, The Return of the King was released on December 14th, 2004, having 52 fucking extra minutes of footage, a Lee painting of the Grey ha uh, Havens, and a model of the Minas Tirith, I hope I'm saying that right, Tirith, yeah. for the collector's edition with Minas Morgul available for a limited time. The special extended DVD editions also had in-sleeve maps of the entire Fellowship's travels, and they played at cinemas, most notably on December 16th, 2003, marathon dubbed Trilogy Tuesday, culminating in a late afternoon screening of the third film. People are so insane with these extended editions. It is so scary to me. Yeah, it's it's messed up. Uh <laughs> 
<laughs> it is messed up. I, uh, it actually is. Yeah, I never. Yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad you reminded me of the contents of them because yeah, I never had the the special special editions with the statues and things. But yeah, I I had also forgotten about the maps and like that. It uh, it kind of satisfies that that part of you that's like um, uh, you know, like um with video games you miss like at least i personally miss like the manuals and things and like totally. all the extras that come in there um and yeah all the all the art in there was great too um because it was like from the original concept artists and uh the artists who uh you know worked on the books as well um yeah so the, yeah they they really uh they they produced them very well i would say <laughs> i mean with outside of like box set collector's editions and like criterions and stuff probably the most famous dvds of all time like what yeah. some could argue you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah i, th- I uh, think that's totally fair yeah <laughs> and i think it's like for a lot of people probably most people would say they're the most famous like dvds probably of all time mm-hmm. they probably owned them you know if they yeah. really were lord of the rings fans which a lot of yeah. people are it's like the Jerry um, Maguire tape of uh, of DVDs. I don't know if you're <laughs> if you're familiar with everything is terrible. Um, oh, absolutely! Yeah, that whole yeah. room that they devoted yeah. to just everything is Jerry Maguire or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fucking crazy. Uh, speaking of the artists, though, mm-hmm. let's talk about our first little bonus feature that you picked out for us today. Yeah, you picked out three bonus features specifically for the purposes of this show. There are so many bonus features, like we said. There's literally hours and hours. But you picked out three. The first one I want to talk about today is literally called Designing Middle Earth. James, why did you pick Designing Middle Earth? Uh, I picked this one uh, because it is probably my favorite aspect of the behind the scenes um, sure. stuff. Uh, the kind of the art, the artistry, the uh, yeah, all the pre-production, like world building kind of stuff that goes on. Um, yeah, you get to see. Um, all the artists that are brought in, all you, you get to see lots of sketches and sculptures that they made of different, you know, character and creature designs. Um, and yeah, you just, I don't know, you get to see kind of the, the love and attention to detail that, that all these artists had. Um, and it's, it's also just a view of, uh, movie making and pre-production that is, uh, it, 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 it was like a real turning point in movie making because it was kind of like the last, the last, um, major movie that made so many things practically, um, right. And had so much practical art making behind it. Um, and you can also see the start of kind of the pre visualization, um, you know, revolution, I guess you would say. Sure. Um, that, now is just like i don't know that's how like half of marvel movies are made before they even start shooting is like they they plan out all the action sequences and like animate them all in advance so um it's funny because it's like it's got so much of this like practical stuff and real artistry that i love and then it's also like the start of kind of (laughs) all this tech stuff that i'm yeah less a fan of even though it's sure you know it takes a lot of artistry too and a lot of effort. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, this, this section, you kind of get a little bit of all of that. You do, you get 
this is this specifically this one for me really sold me on Peter Jackson as a director because yeah. what I took away from this bonus feature, which I had never seen before, mm-hmm. is that this was not let's recreate Lord of the Rings. This was Peter Jackson saying, this is the only opportunity I'm ever going to get to make my war movie. Yeah, and so he yeah. decided, I'm going to make my war movie now, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to do it through the guise of Tolkien, because isn't the Lord of the Rings more or less a like analog to one of the world wars like anyway? Yeah, totally. Yeah, and that that brings up like one of one of the things I really love that he says. Um, wh- he talks about kind of giving a speech to the design crew before they start, where he's like, uh, where he's like, I I want you to imagine that this is like a, a historical film. Absolutely. That, we've, that uh, that this all happened. That we're gonna get to shoot on location in the real locations that they used. Um, and that, you know, everything has to make sense. The design of everything has to make sense because, you know, all of this happened and that's the kind of the level of respect that they treated it with. And like, I don't know, you can, you can take another step back and be like, okay, yeah, that's like really silly of them to, but at the same time, it's like that kind of devotion is part of what made these such, you know, well executed, uh, movies, um, yeah. I mean, it literally is like, you know, it's like Spielberg being like, we're shooting the fucking invasion of D-Day from Saving Private Ryan on the fucking beach where it happened. Yeah. Like, to me, it's the same thing. There's not a difference there. Mm-hmm. And for him, Peter Jackson, to approach shooting these movies like we're shooting it, you know, on the grounds in which it happened. These are the battlefields. These are the cities in which, you know, the destruction and the planning took place. Mm-hmm. Genius. Like, yeah. I literally think that is a genius perspective to take because it, you, you don't have to imagine it anymore. Like, mm-hmm. you, it is, like, real at that point. Like, the, like, well, let's pretend that it happened this way. It's like, <laughs> no, it did happen this yeah. way, and we are going to recreate that. So that was actually my biggest takeaway from watching this was not, wow, look at the, you know, which, yes, all the people who did the concept art and all the people who built the sets and everything, amazing work. Mm-hmm. But it really was that idea of like these are real events that we are recreating on film. I thought that was pretty genius personally. Yeah, he's he's a super smart uh I don't know, just director and kind of like motivator in general. Um yeah, you can you can really tell um just from from the special features that like yeah, he was so involved at every level like testing out every single prop and like I don't know, just yeah, he uh, he handled it really well. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did handle it really well. Um, as far as like some moments in the actual bonus feature that stuck out to me, it was pretty amazing uh, watching them. I believe they're in the Shire or like mm-hmm. the location where the Shire was going to be shot. And those two guys, I believe I have their names right here, Alan Lee and John Howe, they just started pulling out their sketchbooks and just drawing like right there, like in the moment they're like, this is the place that we have to be. I thought that was pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I, I love that part too. Uh, and yeah, just kind of like sketching the actual landscape and then sketching where all the houses and hobbit holes and things are going to go in. And, uh, they, they even kind of do that, um, a similar thing later with, uh, uh, Rivendell, the elf city where they have this like, this area of woods that they decide on 
And then so they make a model um, where they, you know, kind of put little sticks in to simulate all the trees. And then so they uh, build models around the trees to kind of like, because the elves are so kind of connected with nature, they're not, you know, cutting down a bunch of trees or, you know, just like making a, a set completely from scratch. They're, they're building structures kind of, uh, that are in tune with nature and like, totally, you know, kind of match up with the actual landscape. So yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, Oh, it's so cool to see the production kind of mirror the themes of the actual source material. Um, and yeah, cause they just, I don't know, respect the material so much. They respect the material so much. And as artists, it was like, I never got the impression that it was like, all right, another fucking day at the office, you know, punching in and punching out. Like, these guys were, whether it was right from the beginning or once Peter Jackson sold them sort of on what they were doing, everyone came together, and it didn't really matter if they were a props person or a concept artist or, you know, a set dresser or whatever. Everyone jumped on board with the vision of this thing and just whether they needed someone to sew something mm -hmm. or they needed someone to, you know, build a model of something, everyone sort of just was on board to make the project. And that's how you know you really got, like, a talented and, like, devoted crew. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the other things that I'm like, okay, this is why these movies were such a success, is just the kind of, uh, again, kind of unreasonable devotion that these people had to these movies, <laughs> yeah. where it was like, yeah, everyone was so highly motivated, and you can tell just uh, that, yeah, they must have, like... Uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's a, there's a tension in my head where I'm like, I, as kind of like a, you know, like a pro labor kind of person, I'm like, no one should ever have to like work overtime or anything, you know, like it, it sure. should like job should be easy on everyone. But at the same time, it seems like to make a movie like this or just a project that is so, um, that has so much attention to detail that like you kind of need like that uh, unhinged level of devotion to it. Totally. And, and it's just, it's cool to see people just like completely going for it. A hundred percent. Is there anything specifically that we didn't mention that you really wanted to mention about this section? Cause we've got two other sections and I want to make sure we have time to spend on. Both of course. Of those. Yeah. Um, I, I guess just, I, I really love, uh, seeing the, um, the physical art making that they're doing. It's like, now, pretty much most of this would be like, even if people are doing concept art, it would be, you know, on a tablet or something. Um, and these are, you know, all people who are making actual like pencil drawings, actual right. like watercolor paintings, which just like it seems ridiculous to do this for a movie. Um, but, you know, they just put so much uh, uh, so much love into it. Um, and 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 the fact that they also. um brought on a lot of like young artists, like former art students, I thought was cool. Um, sure. Not just, you know, like, uh, movie makers or, you know, like people in like movie art departments, they like brought on, uh, uh, genuine, not that they're not genuine artists, but you know, like <laughs> pure artists. <laughs> sure. Like people who are like, yeah, I'm a painter. I have nothing, you know, no desire to be in the movie business. It's like, yeah, well, you're about to make Lord of the Rings. Yeah, you know? Exactly. You, you fucking idiot. Yeah. You, you stupid up, piece of you shit. Dumb fucker. <laughs> <laughs> you dumb piece of shit. Uh, to lose can five we, years. 
<laughs> Prepare to actually be so fucked by the end of this. You have no idea. Um, can we go ahead and talk about our next bonus feature, yeah, James? Let's go for it. Well, the next bonus feature is the Fellowship of the Cast. This is where we get to see a little bit of not only the casting process for the movie, but you actually get to hear from the main cast themselves about their experience making the movie. So why did you pick this one as well? Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it would be uh, it would be a fun other perspective on the movies because sure. the cast is such a huge part of it. Um, and, you know, you do really feel as much as these are kind of they feel kind of a little bit like pr kind of uh, late night stories a lot of the yes. time where it's like, oh, yeah, we had so much fun that one time when we were like fishing or whatever. But at the same time, you do get a sense of their like genuine connection because like i mean yeah if if they were together for like three years th yeah it, it would kind of have to happen or else they would drive each other insane um and yeah it's just a it's a nice other perspective beside uh besides the you know behind the scenes crew um and yeah i don't know there are just there's some fun stuff in there there is some fun stuff. I, I, when you said about the like the PR sort of late night stories type stuff, it made me think like it's just such good fodder for comedy. Like these yeah. types of interviews where it's like, you know, the actor probably doesn't really want to be doing this, mm -hmm. but like it's in their contract, like somewhere deep that they like their agent or their lawyer never told them. It's like, well, you have to do 45 hours of bonus <laughs> feature content for Lord of the Rings and you're not going to get paid overtime for any of it. They're <laughs> like, great, let's do it. Let's start right now. It's just like so funny. The idea of like, what was it like working with Sean Astin? And Elijah Wood is like, oh, he was just the best. And it's just yeah. like that over and over yeah. and Everyone over again. Great. Yeah, I didn't have any problems with anyone. You can kind of like, uh, that's that's one of my, uh, one of the kind of like meta games I like to play with watching these things though, is to try and like read between the lines of like, totally of like, oh yeah, Ian McKellen is like, he likes talking about the other like serious older British actors. He's like, yeah, I really love them. And then he like, doesn't talk much about like the hobbits at all. <laughs> you're, like, <laughs> yes. you're like, Hmm, I wonder if he like kind of just was just like annoyed by them or something. And or just was of... so like beyond just like everything that was going on. Like he's such a pro that it's like, I want to come in scream. You shall not pass. And mm -hmm. then like, go back to my trailer and like, yeah. I don't want to fuck. I don't want to fuck around with these guys. Like I want to go back and like hang out, you know? Yeah. He's like, I'm not getting the, the crew tattoo or whatever there was one yeah he, he might have actually gotten it i forget there was one person they all ended up getting tattoos this wasn't in this section but um yeah there was one actor that didn't i forget who i uh, feel like that's a fucking john or what is this john is it john reese davis yeah it was probably him you're i think you might be right <laughs> that seems like a him move not to want to fucking get the tattoo um the, the sean astin though story about him being like paranoid about safety and being like well you see those other three helicopters coming in from the back i'm like dude at a some at a certain point like that's a good person to have especially making like that kind of movie yeah. but on some level it's like dude please shut the fuck up and like do totally. your job of being sam and like please be quiet you know yeah and you definitely that was another one where you kind of get the subtext of like everyone is kind of like making fun of him 
and yes. is like is like yeah he was he was always just like so like anal about like safety <laughs> and stuff and like and they're not outright for it. yeah exactly <laughs> they're not outright saying that it was like annoying as shit but they're yeah. like yeah he would do that a lot we would it's a lot of passive aggressive bs totally yeah and he is like the older one in the in that group so it's like yeah i'm sure the i'm sure the younger hobbits were just kind of like rolling their eyes at him a bit totally totally the aragorn casting story though is pretty incredible as well of like yeah vigo mortensen basically make having to make a snap decision whether or not to spend the next like in a couple day. years of his life yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Well, I, I love how it's 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 his like young nerdy son who's like, Dad, you oh, yeah. gotta do this. It's like his like twelve year old son because he had never read the books or anything. Um, and he was right. like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll do this. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I guess my son wants me to spend the next two years of my fucking life in New Zealand with a bunch of people that. He really does seem like the odd man out to me personally, Vigo. And maybe mm -hmm. it's because he's an American and most of the other people are British or a hobbit. I feel like you either have to be yeah. British or a hobbit to like <laughs> work within the realm of, of uh, it was Aragorn, uh, Vigo Mortensen, then Liv Tyler, who sort mm -hmm. of seemed like the odd people out, both Americans. Liv Tyler also not spending the same amount of time in New Zealand like the rest of them, her coming sort of in and out for different stints. Um, yeah, just a very interesting uh, world. And then the whole, like, Hobbit double section where you get to see the doubles for everyone and then also Gimli's double. I didn't realize that John Rhys-Davies is actually 6'1", and I didn't realize yeah. that, like, the, the extent they had to go through to, like, make these guys short. Like, that kind of blew my mind a little bit. Yeah, I uh, now this is making me wish I had like included a section because I think there's a specific section maybe on all their like scale stuff and like how they had to use like trick photography and things. Um, but yeah, they yeah, it's it's and all of this, you know, of course, would just be like, you know, green screen now and they just like scale right. everyone digitally. Um, but yeah, I, I love all the double stuff and like it's so I also love kind of the weird eeriness of like seeing someone's like face, like reproduced yes. <laughs> like, uh, and seeing them side by side, but one of them just has this like weird dead face kind of because it's a mask. <laughs> um, yeah, there's some, uh, there's some, and, th and then there's like a, a slightly weird, uh, slightly uncomfortable, uh, bit where they're doing like, uh, impressions of the guy who's Indian. Yes, that part is Indian. a little scary. Now and you're to just watch. like, uh, yeah, this is uh, this is not going to look too good in a few years. And it <laughs> doesn't. Yeah, it really doesn't. I was actually very surprised that they like went for it. In. A and then B kept it in. Yeah, exactly. It was a very different time in 2003, dude. I guess, and that's the crazy thing is like that. What like you think about like oh, the 60s were crazy. And we, you and I weren't alive for the 60s. Yeah. You and I were around in 2003. Yeah. Like, that really wasn't that long ago in yeah. all things considered. And yet, if any actor did that, I think on a bonus feature now, they would be like, what is your fucking problem? And then not put it in the bonus feature. So yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, there, there are other things in in like other ones that we didn't cover where there's just like some weird, like casual homophobia and stuff like that. Classic, and just like, yeah. 
Yeah, man. I guess this was almost 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> when that yeah. was awesome to do, actually. Yeah. <laughs> when everyone was like cheering and clapping. Yeah, do it again. Screaming um, offset. Like, can you say it louder, please? <laughs> <laughs> say it into the mic, please. Yeah, uh, pretty fucked up. Pretty yeah, awesome, though. Yeah. But, you know, it's just uh, it's representative of the, of the times. So it's important. I guess it is. Yeah. I guess it is. Uh, is there anything else specifically that you wanted to cover in this section? Cause we do have one more to talk yeah, about. Yeah. I guess I'll real quickly just say like, uh, I love Vigo's like insane commitment. Um, how, Oh, totally. How he's like, yeah, I want to like carry my real sword around all the time. And like, yes. <laughs> he's like, he's just so, so overly committed, like taking his sword to like restaurants apparently and things. And it's just like, calm down man you're like you got here late and you're like this into it but i don't know i still love it of course <laughs> totally and it's weird because like in new zealand having someone come in with a sword is probably like pretty normal. still weird no, still well kidding. maybe maybe still weird but like not like it would be in the states where it's like everyone get Instantly on the fucking shot. ground yeah. yeah like right now like if i saw a dude Coming into a restaurant, I mean, I'm not going to fucking restaurants right now, obviously, <laughs> but like 2019, if I saw someone yeah. come into a restaurant with a sword, I'm like, yeah, check, pl check, please. And then everyone in the restaurant laughs really hard. And I'm like, <laughs> guys, seriously, get out, get out of the <laughs> restaurant right now. This is fucked what's about to happen. So <laughs> really scary, to be honest with you. Yeah, just about to go medieval, you know, no, no big deal. And then the guy with the sword goes, I'm about to go medieval on y'all's asses. And yeah. then everyone in the, re the restaurant laughs a little yeah. bit harder, clapping like, that's so fucking funny, yeah, dude. A reference. <laughs> Very topical. Very funny. Yeah. And it's like the fucking North Hollywood diner. <laughs> <And> <laughs> everyone's like fucking drunk out of their mind. It's like, yes, dude, that is fucking it. That is fucking <laughs> funny. And it's like, dude, it's like two in the morning. Please shut the fuck up. <laughs> but I do love the fact that, that he was carrying the sword around as well. Mm. Um, Let's talk about that last bonus feature, my friend, which is titled Weta Workshop. And I wanted to end with this one because the if you don't know anything about Lord of the Rings, you probably know the fact that, like, Smeagol was a real guy. Like, <laughs> Smeagol was not, like, a creation. Like, Smeagol was, like, a guy who acted the part, and then they put, like, effects over him. I think people know about the effects, if mm -hmm. anything, and the impressive nature of that so why did you pick this one for the collection that we're talking about today uh yeah it uh it again just kind of shows that um that devotion to detail uh yeah that um you know all the craft that went into uh making every prop and prosthetic um you know and special effect practical totally. effect um and yeah i do i do wish it had uh some stuff about about Gollum and Smeagol in there. But I was yeah. surprised that it wasn't in there, to be honest well, with you. Yeah, I, I, I kind of. I also picked it because the link I sent. I just wanted to simplify <laughs> things, and the link I sent. It was like, okay, I can get two with this one. Hell um, yeah, so it's not a very good reason, but uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was that's also, pretty good. It, it was <laughs> that's about, a pretty good reason. <laughs> these were all about the Fellowship of the Ring, so right. you know, you're you're. He doesn't come in until number two. So right. you miss out on Smeagol, unfortunately, but, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just, it has a lot of really good stuff. Um, a lot of great details about like they, uh, they said that the, they were, um, they, for the foam latex, like, uh, masks and things, they had to run the ovens for that. Like every day, every single day for like three and a half years, 
Um, yeah, insane. Yeah, just like mind-boggling kind of uh, statistics for, for the production this, of this. Is this the bonus feature? Maybe it was a different one and I missed it. Is this the one where they talk about the Hobbit's feet? Yes, yeah, yeah. That was insane. That they <laughs> the the blending on the hobbit's feet to make their skin match the prosthetic. Mm-hmm. That blew my mind. That was so well done. It was insane to me. Yeah, and uh just the fact that it they would have to stand for something like an hour and a half every morning while the feet just got glued onto their feet and then like I don't know even longer to do that like painting and blending that you were talking about. And yeah, it looks, it looks amazing. Uh, it, it looks like, uh, looks for know, real. Yeah. It looks like a real freakish foot. Um, it does. Yeah. <laughs> can um, I say that, mm-hmm. uh, I know he's not in this movie, but can I say Smeagol kind of bad with it? Can I say that dude? Yeah, no, like his body, like he, he looks good. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah, looks totally. good. Smeagol kind of looks good right Smeagol now. You can kind of get it. TVH Smeagol can kind of fucking get it dude holy wait, shit that reminds me I was uh, <laughs> here wait oh no I I, uh, I I have to show this uh this book okay. that, I, that I got <laughs> yes. for my birthday um in like 2003 I really should have bookmarked this page um what is what what is the title of the book for the audience it is called oh yeah I should have said that the Lord of the Rings the making of the movie trilogy so this is Incredible. basically just the book version of uh of these special features and it's not as good overall um you can cut out some of this <laughs> i just really want to find this fucking picture because it's so funny and it's just going to be for you not the audience <laughs> well the audience can fucking sit there and wait while you do this for me because i yeah. want to see it dude okay it's not going to be worth it now Oh my God! I finally found it. Jesus yes. Christ! Let's go. Yes, bro. Yes, bro. Smeagol's ass, bro. Yes, that's right. Yes, a bro. guy is like painting his like taint uh, <laughs> in this photo. <laughs> I want you to know that that was one hundred percent worth it Thank for me. You. Thank you. Oh my God! It was yeah. excruciating for me, uh, but. <laughs> Yeah. How Noah deep in the book out. was he, that? He better have cut it out. But yeah, I spent <laughs> about five solid minutes uh, flipping through a book <laughs> to find a picture of a guy painting Smeagol's ass. Uh, so yeah, that was how that was deep worth in it. the book do you have to go to find that photo? It's like why don't you go? Wait, can you flip through the entire book one more time? Yeah, I'm gonna find it again. Wow, <laughs> I found it instantly this time, <laughs> which is the most upsetting. It is page 170. Damn. Of like 190, so <laughs> fuck. They keep it from you that whole time. From the end. Uh, it's just clearly. fucked up that the writers of that book keep that photo from you for so long when yeah. they know that that's why you're digging through the book is to find a little Smeagol taint, you know. Well, I think it's you know they know maybe kids are are reading it, so they're like, we gotta wait until it's just adults uh, who, are, <laughs> yes. who are in here. Because you know we... kids are gonna never gonna make it to the end of the book. Exactly. Yeah. Though I did um, because Hell I was yeah, devoted. Dude. <laughs> yeah, you wanted to find that Smeagol taint. Um, I got to say, so Richard Taylor, who's like the lead Weta guy on mm-hmm. this, when I was in college, I took a class called Visual Design. Mm. And you might be asking yourself, what is that class about? <laughs> and I couldn't tell you because it was one of the worst classes that I ever took in my entire life <laughs> in college. And it was taught by a man named Richard Taylor. And Whoa. I thought 
is it going to be the Richard Taylor from Weta? That would be nuts. I mean, yeah. I went to a film school. It is a, in theory, a prestigious film yeah. school. Maybe they would have gotten him for like a semester. Maybe that's possible. Well, my friend, it was not Richard Taylor from Weta. It was the guy who made the Shrek 4 <laughs> DVD menu. Are you serious? Screen. And we I were just talking about how you. bad Shrek DVD menus are. <laughs> yeah, I kid you not. That's amazing. He did that. He used to do like cool spot for like seven up commercials uh -huh. and stuff. He was like such a piece of shit. And his wow. name was Richard Taylor. And I hope that he hears this one day and knows that I think that he was such a piece of shit. But I thought for a brief moment, maybe the Richard Taylor from what I was about to teach my visual design class. So. Oh, man, that would have been cool. I mean, maybe, he, maybe he's kind of an asshole, but he's like obviously very talented, at least. And um, seems cool. He seems like a cool dork to me. This guy literally seemed just like. If like anything, he would have been like dry and nice. Whereas this other guy yeah. was like boring and basically a bully and uh, like was like saying like combo. just like bad stuff about like kids. It was like kind of an insane situation. But wow. either way, visual design mix up had to bring that up on the uh, bring that up. And I feel yeah. like everything in the Weta workshop was either way bigger than you think it is <laughs> with these like big bigatures, as mm -hmm. they call them. Or everything was way smaller than you think it is, and they just like blow it up, and that's yeah. just like that was insane to me to see that like how big some of this shit was that you don't think is that big, or how small it actually is, you know? Yeah, uh, seeing the seeing the shots of the warehouses where uh, or sound stages where they have the the bigotures, as they say, is is crazy. Yeah, just like seeing people walk walking among them, and like it's like six feet tall or more. Um, yeah. And, and the, uh, I don't know, just, I, I love, uh, I, I love the way the miniatures look in the final movie too. Cause yeah, yes. it's, uh, no one's ever going to put that much, uh, that much, uh, <laughs> effort into making miniatures in a movie again. I don't think, um, unless there's some kind of crazy revival of them. Uh, yeah, it, it would just all be digital now. And yeah, it's, it's uh it's pretty stunning <laughs> i feel like you can sort of sum up not only this bonus feature but just lord of the rings in general as we wanted to make it as real as possible so we actually just made it all exist yeah, like yeah we just none of it's faked the buildings <laughs> we they, yeah we just built mordor we just built the temple of whatever you know we mm -hmm. built all the fucking weapons that you see that was insane to me that weapons room yeah, yeah, and that they they found like real blacksmiths to make real swords. They found uh real woodworkers to make like all the chairs and everything <laughs> like Yes. Yeah, there's there are no corners cut in this. Um and uh yeah, the um uh the the guys who made chainmail uh for yes. for like 3 years straight, they just two guys just sat at a table and made chainmail out of rubber tube um and weirdly were like happy about it at least they yes. said in the documentary they were like best opportunity ever i wouldn't trade it for the world and <laughs> i guess they just had good podcasts or something to listen to but yeah, yeah exactly. it seems miserable so to me fucked. it does <laughs> literally like you know we can't see maybe the fucking gun was like coming from a part of the frame that we like we can't see because like that yeah. seems insane to have to sit there for three years and just make chain mail every single day peter jackson was definitely threatening their family uh <laughs> off camera if, if they didn't say anything 
Um, and that, that reminds <laughs> me, yeah, that reminds me also there's, it's interesting because, uh, in these special features, because there are these ones that we saw, um, but then there's also a separate documentary, uh, that was made by this independent guy and it's all just like stuff he shot on set. So it's a lot oh, nice. more like real, um, which is interesting. Like you see like people like occasionally getting into arguments, um, yeah, which I is wish something I they, they something don't highlight on these. Yeah, this is definitely more the uh, the PR spin um, on things, but you know, it still it shows a lot of a lot of good stuff in there. Still, um, is there anything else worth mentioning about this special feature, or just the special features uh, on a whole as Lord of the Rings, or just anything? Any final words that you have for folks about Lord of the Rings? Physical media, <laughs> bonus features, Gollum's taint, anything that you can think of. Um, yeah, I, I think you're going to want to uh, look up that photo of Gollum's taint. <laughs> that guy just yeah, like so. diving straight in there. If you're a real fan, you're going to have that GT, that Gollum taint. Um, <laughs> you got to have that GT, baby. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that's I think that pretty much covers it. Um, but yeah, this was a, a great time. I'm, I'm glad I finally got to uh, discuss these, uh, <laughs> these, these <laughs> extremely dumb special features with someone. Um, well, so when you, you said. Yeah, absolutely. When you said that, like, you want to talk about the bonus features, I was like, what is this guy fucking talking about that he wants to talk about bonus features for 90 minutes? But listen, there's a lot there, and it, like, really just goes to show us, the listeners, the people who like Lord of the Rings, people still actually do care about making movies. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not just Ted Sarandos sitting, you know, in a boardroom, you know, unleashing the hounds on anyone who tries to pitch him an original story with heart, you know, and they actually Mm -hmm. care about it. It's like... Yes, these are based on books, mm-hmm. but this is like the most heart that's ever been put into a project in theory. And it's like, yeah, they're some of the greatest movies ever made. Whether you yeah. actually like Lord of the Rings or not, you cannot knock the fact that the production on these movies are crazy. Yeah, that's and that's an, another thing about why I like the special features is because like, yeah, I mean, I, I really don't I, I can't say that everyone would like these movies or that they are the best movies or anything because like honestly like i feel like they can be kind of slow at times and it's just like especially the extended editions it's like if you're trying to like get someone to sit down and watch them it's like that's a that's a big ask but uh i think pretty much anyone can appreciate the special features or at least you know like the detail and the craft uh that went into making the movies so yeah i would agree and James, we've reached the part of the show where you get to plug anything yes. you want. Yes. yes. Unfortunately, yes. I don't Final. have a song that I can play three times uh, for the plugs. Probably should make one. But yeah, that's hit me with your plugs. That was about to be my note to you. But uh, <laughs> yeah, my my plugs are just going to be. Uh, you mentioned my my Mad Hatter style Twitch channel earlier. Yeah, Joker uh, style. Yeah, it is uh, twitch.tv slash James R. Trevor. Um, and yeah, I just, I build weird robots and machines that people in the chat can control. Uh, so the next thing coming up is going to be a, uh, webcam on a motor that you can type in commands to change the angle of where the camera's pointed at. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I also, my Twitter is the same, uh, username, James R. Trevor. So follow me there. Um, yeah. All of those links will be in the description below. 
so that you can go follow James on both Twitch and Twitter. Nice. Uh, I don't really use Twitch all that much, uh, but I do follow James on Twitter, and it's a great follow. So oh, you definitely gotta want to follow James on there. Speaking of the opposite of a great follow, you can follow this show on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at my favorite underscore podcast on Instagram at my pod on Twitter. There's a link tree for the show in the description. It has all the social medias and everything else that I'm about to say as well. You also have my personal link tree uh, in the show description, uh, which has personal stuff, my personal social medias and just other things that I'm working on, including but not limited to it's on the list. My other podcast that I do with Mason McGuire. This coming, I guess this week, tomorrow, if you're listening to this podcast on the day it comes out, we're talking about Hearts and Bones by Paul Simon and breaking form a little bit because we're not going to talk about an underrated movie. We're just going to talk about Singing in the Rain because we're having a very special guest. It's Mason's fucking sister is going to be on the show. So you got Mason's sister, Kellen McGuire, on the show, who also hosts a podcast about the Muppets. And Mason's going to be on an episode of that podcast. What the fuck? Are you kidding me? I know. It literally is the Jimmy Timmy Power Hour over here <laughs> for It's on the List and whatever the fuck her name of her, of her podcast is about Muppets. Uh, and you can also watch some comedy stuff that I'm doing, Your Local Government on Instagram, YLG.World on Instagram, Your Local Government Comedy on YouTube. Me and Fed doing some stuff over there. If you like this show, you can follow us there. Ha, 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 ha. He, he, ha. James, Trevor, Thank you so much for doing the show. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for putting up with my my bullshit, my stupid bullshit. No, what, what are you talking about? It, I love it all. It, it was a great time talking with you. Um, thanks, man. And thanks for putting up with uh, watching a bunch of uh, <laughs> dumb Lord of the Rings stuff. <laughs> For that, you are welcome. Yeah, <laughs> I, will you. Not, I, will, I will not. I will not try and refute the dumb Lord of the Rings stuff. Yeah. Just <laughs> uh, but James, can you help me say goodbye to the folks now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, are we doing it in? Uh, are we synchronizing, or I'm just saying no? Nope. Bye. <laughs> yeah, you just nailed it. Okay, okay. bye. <laughs>